The PWC Network. What the world is watching and listening to. That's right, infidels. You found us here, channelattitude.com, Hameen Media Group, where you get the most real talk, the best reviews of all your favorite wrestling shows from AEW and WWE, Impact, and more, because we're going to break it all down with the best staff in professional wrestling at HMG. So you don't need to go anywhere else, because there's no five stars here. There's only $5 face slaps, infidel. Hello, Walker! So sign up today, channelattitude.com, Hameen Media Group, and join the Hameen Army for the most real talk in professional wrestling. YOLO! Collision, a win by uh, Switchblade Jay White, but you guys have really stepped into something coming up at All In in London with Kenny Omega, Hangman, Adam Page, and Ibushi. Tony, we talk about what we want to talk about, so first off, guns up for my Lexington Gold member! I'll take this from you, Tony. What I want to talk about? Hey, I got a message from my old friend Kenny Omega in his hospital bed. So Kenny, hope you're paying attention. Because if the, the so-called uh, God of professional wrestling doesn't want to be exposed at the biggest professional wrestling event of all time in Wembley Stadium, then I think, uh, Mr. Omega, you better stay in that bed. You see, We've known you for almost a decade now, Kenny. Myself and Juice here. And we've had to sit by for too long whilst you and your friends deceive the entire professional wrestling world. No, 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 no. Kenny and his friends have deceived all of you into believing that the elite is the peak of Bullet Club. But Tony, we're here to set the record straight. So in London, at All In, Bullet Club Goal, the Bang Bang Gang show that they are a cut above the elite. 
And it doesn't matter who Kenny brings with him. It doesn't matter what friends you bring. Kota Ibushi, Hangman Adam Page. It doesn't matter. We've beat them before, we'll beat them again. Kenny, just like you, we've beat you before, we'll beat you again. Hangman, I heard what you said. You think it's funny that we drove from Orlando to Jacksonville to beat the crap out of Kenny Omega? You think it was a little two-minute beatdown? Well, it took us two minutes to put the great Kenny Omega into the hospital. So what do you think we are gonna do to you at the biggest pro wrestling show ever, you idiot? Hold it for this one. Yeah. Hey, Young Bucks, on Wednesday, you had to cheat to beat us because you know me and Austin are the best brother tag team in AEW. And instead of giving us a rematch, you grabbed your friend Kenny. All this champ but drives these what, young men Kenny? crazy. We have friends too, and ours are way juicier, way more rock hard, and way more leader than you. You guys may have started this company, but now we run it. The Bang Bang Gang, the Top Shelf Gunslinger, and the Collision Cowboys. And Tony Schiavone, we want to get warmed up right now. You saw Jay White wrestle up here. So, Tony Khan, send out three before Fighter Fence. We want to get warmed up right now. Let's get it on! Oh, even better. Wait a minute. Hey, 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 how, how does it go? And if you ain't down with that, we got two words for you. Where does he come up with this no, stuff? No, no, That's no, no, no. Guns up. Great crowd on hand here tonight. The return of AEW, the debut of Collision here at the historic Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. Ricky Starks will be out here. We will also hear from Miro, and we can't forget about our huge main event, Christian Cage. Listen to this crowd willing on the former Ring of Honor champion. Dare I say, uh oh! Brilliant. Christian Cage, Darby Allen in our main event tonight. Oh, what's what gonna do now? Put him on, away, Jay! Put him away! Come on now, whoa, 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 come on now. All right, all right. Listen to this, Kevin. Oh, come on, man. Blasting him. Oh, wait a second. Look at the reversal on the rod there. Oh, this peacock can fly. And the red and chest of Dalton Castle. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second now, boys. Come on. Watch out. Here comes a little help! Oh, the boys take flight! They're all grown up! They've left the nest! The crowd is going wild! Oh, but wait a second! Uh-oh. Hang on, he goes bang around! No! 
Caught! Kuranagi! Got it! Could be enough, let's see if it is two! No! So the boys come into the aid of Dalton Castle. But now it looks like Switchblade Jay White could be getting ready to shut the door here for a victory. Hooks him up. Could be looking for a submission. By any means necessary, get out of that hole, get out of that choke. Two former world champions in the center of the ring, fighting it out. Uh-oh, wait a second. Ooh, sleeper suplex. A nasty landing for Castle. Bang, bang. Here it comes. Here it comes. Blade Runner. It is over. The winner of this match, Switchblade Jay White. Switchblade Jay White continues on the march, beating a former Ring of Honor World Champion in Dalton Castle. Take a look here. Pinpoint precision. What's the way the forehead of Castle slammed into the mat? Bit of a lackadaisical cover, but it didn't matter because it was enough to pick up a win for Jay White and Bullet Club Gold.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to the aftermath of AEW Collision. Yes, folks, say it with me. After the collision, we sift through the wreckage. The wreckage brought to you by channelattitude.com. Please subscribe for $5 a month. And the Hami Media Group. This is the wreckage. I am your host. I'm Christopher Rams. That's AMBS, like lambs with no L or bullshit first thing in the morning. Don't worry, everybody. If you ever forget how to spell my last name, I'll just remind you at the beginning of every show. Well, folks, I actually don't have uh, I, I don't have uh, silly rhymes for anybody uh, today. Thank you, Freya, for being an interrupting, aggravating little child. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, I don't have any really cool rhymes for my co-hosts, mostly because we're late again because Jimmy T. So, hence the name. Jimmy T is the rabbit from Wonderland, you know, where he's going, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, all the time, because that's that's basically what we deal with from Jimmy. So, Jimmy, are you there, or are you are you not there? Tom, for this show. Tom, for this show. I don't, you try that again. I said, when was the last time we were late for the show? We haven't been late for the show except for once. Right. That would make so I don't know you keep saying it's, it's all the time. Well, okay. All right. All right, then. Uh, Jimmy, how are you? How is Australia? Um, I'm good, man. Fucking, this time I legitly fucking was sleeping, man. It is 1.30 a.m. for me. On a Sunday, and fucking, for whatever reason, I fucking slept through. I'm sorry for that, though. That really fucking pissed me off. And yeah, Yeah. man, the reason why you can't see me yet is because I've just rushed in. So, if you give me two minutes just to freshen up quickly, you'll see me in a second. But yeah. I want to see what your hair actually looks like. Nah, man, I've literally gotten up and rushed straight to my computer, man. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I mean, rushed to my computer. To the point where I even started the show before we all jumped on. What? That's exactly why I want you to, to look like like Doc whatever from uh, Back to the Future. Oh, nah. <laughs> if only my hair was all white, just maybe. But yeah, just don't mind me for two seconds. I'll be back. Okay, okay we won't. Uh, Jeff Lipman, welcome to the show, Gardener of Doom. Like I said, I don't I don't have any silly rhymes because usually I do that about fifteen minutes before the show goes. And uh, well, I was stressed out fifteen minutes before we went live, so <laughs> here I am. Here you are. Welcome to the show, Jeff. I, I feel good to be seeing you via Zoom because I am the gardener of Doom. There you go. There you go. Hey, you're stealing my gimmick, and I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, you're you're, you're going to steal my gimmick, which is getting mad at Jimmy. Well, <laughs> that's, that's that's all right. I'm not like mad mad at Jimmy. I'm just I'm I'm constantly like just on the edge of frustrated with Jimmy. But I love Jimmy. He's awesome. You know, he does a lot for us and everything. And I know that, I mean, if I was having to try to be up at one o'clock in the morning, it would be hard for me too. So, you know, shout outs, Jimmy. We love you. Um, Jeff, before we get to Jimmy, who's apparently gone now. So Jimmy just left, guys. He's, he's, bye, bye Jimmy. Um, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, Jeff. Let's talk about the news, because, you know, the last time we went live, we were talking about something specific with guns and bang bang and and stuff was happening. So why don't we go ahead and just discuss that real quickly? Oh, okay. Um, So I guess those of you who didn't uh, listen to us on Uncaged, shame on you. You should. 
Well, we were just discussing the Cash Wheeler, real name Daniel Wheeler. Um, apparently, July 28th, uh, there was a what would be described as a road rage incident. We only have one side of the story, thus the, the complainant. That's all public information, and then what was uh, taken down by the police officer and, and who investigated, viewed the video uh, footage. Uh, apparently. Uh, this gentleman, and as you know him, Cash Wheeler, uh, real name Daniel Wheeler, very creative, um, got into a, a road traffic-related altercation on the on the road, and uh, apparently Mr. Wheeler thought the gentleman in front of him was going too slowly, was sort of beeping and flashing. The guy says he pulled over to the right lane, the slow lane, and that uh, Cash Wheeler, instead of moving into the left lane or just going straight and zooming past him actually went into the further right lane which i'm not sure is it, it was the emergency lane or or the guy moved into the middle lane. anyway he went in he went to the guy's right put his window down and flashed a firearm at him. apparently the guy was filming this entire thing either he had the wherewithal to do so uh, or somebody was in the car doing it or or He's has a dash cam, or he's just paranoid that way. And then uh, Wheeler took off, you know, you know, sped by. It's not like they got out of the car and had a fight and anything like that. Um, police were called. Nine one one was called. Guy made it, gave a statement because he couldn't be late for work later on. The police did looked at the video. They wrote down a statement. They did um, a lineup by a program called Elvis, where they randomized photographs of people who, I guess, vaguely fitted uh, Dax, uh, not Dax, uh, Cash Wheeler's description, and the complainant, his name is Mata, uh, that's his last name, obviously, um, correctly identified Daniel Wheeler, Cash Wheeler. Then an arrest warrant was issued upon the officer citing they, they found probable cause. Uh, the Thursday, what's the Sunday, so Three days ago, Thursday night, uh, Wheeler, through his attorney, turned himself in. They both appeared at a court hearing, I believe, Friday afternoon. Maybe it was Thursday afternoon. It was basically in a, a preliminary inquiry, in a, a, an arraignment, whatever you want to call it. The charges were read. Uh, they, the state and the defense both argued and agreed upon. Actually, they didn't argue. They agreed upon the terms of bond, no surrender and passport. Uh, surrender all firearms, including ones at home. Um, $2,500 bond, which means uh, Wheeler had to post $250, which was probably prearranged. Um, and it was stated on the record that he had no prior criminal record. So that that's something that people have been speculating on. So there's no prior criminal record. Uh, this is his first incident with the law. And uh, that's it. It's charged. He's charged with third degree uh, aggravated a felony with involving a firearm and and that's that for now um that that that's a status so that is cash wheeler's legal status that you know there might be a trial there may be a plea who knows yeah well thank you very much um this is this is exactly the kind of situations that we're always thankful to have jeff Littman on because hey it's a legal situation and we have an actual lawyer on our team that's why you come to the PwC for quality stuff like that. Um, thank you very much, Jeff. Sure. Uh, now we'll get into we'll get into it a little bit here um, when we get into the show. But uh, Jimmy, um, other than rushed and tired, 
How are you, my friend? I'm good. You know what's funny, man? The reason why I disappeared is not because I actually disappeared, but my computer restarted. How's that, right? For timing. Wow. So just all <laughs> kinds of Can you believe that shit? I couldn't believe it. Thank God I got using and that's all that mattered. But uh, still, I just couldn't believe that. I just started laughing to myself thinking, really? That that has to happen right now. But anyway, I'm cool. Other than that, I'm just waking up. If you can tell, it looks like I've been beat up. With my you're looking eyes, a little but, um, bit like you're looking a little bit like uh, like 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 Wheeler was, um, you know, um, <laughs> at his arraignment. Who? Who? Wheeler Yuta. Cashton. Cashton. Oh, Wheeler Yuta. Well, no, he looks like Wheeler Yuta anyway. It's just <laughs> that that the puffy eyes looks a little bit like like Cash Cashton did when he was arraigned. Or was that Dash Daxton? No, that he was just, Cash. Uh, <laughs> he just looks like he had a typical night where he lost another fight to Extreme D. Right. <laughs> yeah, I got right. poked. By Extreme D in the in the eye, right. and then <laughs> and then he got poked by Extreme yeah, yeah. D. <laughs> you know what? Whatever happened to Extreme D? We haven't seen that Extreme D since. You tell us. <laughs> I didn't even know who the hell that Extreme D is. But anyway, maybe maybe, we're not maybe the random D. listener decided he or she didn't want to be the the punchline. <laughs> maybe. Forever. Maybe, but, maybe. But listen, if you don't want to be the punchline in our jokes. Uh, too fucking bad. That's what we do here at the HMG well, and channelattitude.com. Well, like Retro Rocket Review, or in other words, Canada Spaceman says, apparently I hooked up another one of my stolen laptops that I took from the tourists. <laughs> Come on now. He Come on. We, we know Jimmy's not stealing anything from a tourist. Like, if yeah, a guy yeah. who looks Come like on. Jimmy came up to you and was like, give me your laptop. Ooh. Come on. I know, like that would give it up. I know. Seriously, come on. <laughs> but anyway. Well, I mean, well, you could sneak around like swipers. This is tends to the other little wreckages, whatever you want to call them. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I am Yo, dealing Chris. with my children. Right? They're lovely and wonderful, but also need to shut up. Uh, all right. Well, we let's get right like into the show, guys. Name? There's a lot to. You know how we call them the skirmites? Oh, you are too. It's all right. Continue, continue. All right, I will continue. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, All right, the show proper begins with Samoa Joe making his way to the ring after we have the uh, preliminary videos from the important people on the show, so that's nice. Um, Joe is making his way to the ring, and he is going to be... uh, He's got a match tonight uh, against uh, the Golden Vampire, which... Uh, that's kind of an interesting thing. And uh, the golden vampire comes out of the ring and he jumps Joe, which is not what we're used to seeing. Uh, for a second there, I went, what, why Why is this happening? Like, Joe, I guess Joe's really going to kill this son of a bitch. But, of course, the golden vampire winds up shoving the referee so that the match never starts. The golden vampire then uh, shoves Joe into the ring. And at that point, I figured, uh, this isn't just a golden vampire. This is... There's somebody else under this mask, under this suit. And uh, sure enough, uh, Joe, Joe takes a really, really inconvincing uh, or unconvincing uh, go to sleep. Uh, it looked really like crap, which I guess happens because Joe is big and CM Punk is not strong. Uh, so it is CM Punk be- behind, the, behind the gold. Behind all the gold, it's CM Punk. And he takes a microphone and he, and he leans down to Joe and he says... I accept, bitch. And that's the way we get started. I gotta say, guys, 
I loved the start of this show. I thought this was really cool, uh, different. It was not what I was expecting. They've they've kind of got me with the whole thing where Joe comes out and he has a squash match, and we get to hear the, the crowd chant, Joe's going to kill you. So I thought, ah, just another jobber he's going to beat up. But the jobber wound up being CM Punk. I really like this. Jimmy, what would you think? I straight away thought of Conquistadors. Olé! Uh, yeah. You were supposed to. <laughs> well, that's right. And, well, actually, do you guys think he did it out of, uh, you know, paying homage to to Edge, possibly? That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, I, I... Well, maybe. I, I never cross... I mean, I, when I think Conquistador, I think Kurt Angle, so... Oh, well, you know, if you remember Edge and Christian, they were the Conquistadors in WWE years and years ago, so I think... Maybe it was a little. They were not. That has edge. never been proven, and you are you are <laughs> engaging in slander, sir. Oh, that's right. It might not be them at all, but you know what I'm talking about. So I think it was a little nod to Edge, but nevertheless, I did like the start of the show. But let's be real, guys. It kind of went downhill from here, in my opinion, anyway. But um, other than that, yeah, it was great. It was a good way to start. It set the tone. Unfortunately, it just didn't sit the tone for the rest of the evening for me anyway okay well that's a take and we'll talk about it and we'll we'll discuss as we as we move along jeff what did you think of the start to the show this was different we haven't seen this kind of thing happen in aew much and uh again for me i thought it was really interesting and different what do you think i mean as soon as i saw it and, and saw golden vampire i was like this has got to be a rib and then i saw the body and like you know the, the you know i could tell that there was some musculature going on there and, you know, it's weird, but CM Punk looked taller in the Golden Vampire outfit than he looks in, in his non-Golden Vampire. And maybe he, maybe the boots had lifts. I mean, it's possible. And maybe that, that was had something to do with why the, uh, the, the go to sleep wasn't so good, in addition to the fact that Joe's a really big man and CM Punk really doesn't deliver it like he used to, period. Um, but like you, Chris, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. It, it, it fooled Joe, you know, which is what it was supposed to do. Embarrassed Joe, put him to sleep. He took off his mask. And I liked that earlier in the day we did a show where, 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 where people were saying, well, CM Punk's not even going to be on the show. Do you think he's going to be on the show? And I said, 100% he's absolutely going to be on the show. So Jeff was right really early on. And so that's my Jeff was right. Victory lap. It's all about Although Jeff. Although not a hundred percent of him was on the show, so so how how correct are you? Because because there was only like maybe like ten percent of him that was on the show, and the rest of what he was there was the Golden Vampire. So there was only like ten percent of CM Punk on the show. I still think it counts as all of him, even though he's in different clothing. But uh, and and as you see under my little handle, that vampire onesies are tight, and this in fact was a tight vampire onesie. Um, no, I, literally, I, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I'm interested to see. I, I, I want to hear the difference between Chris and Jimmy's take on the rest of the show because I sort of felt the show at times was weird and the vibe was a little bit off, but I still thought it was a good show. So I'm I'm been interested to hear what what Jimmy thought and what you thought and where I agree and disagree with both of you because uh, something was a little bit off for a while, but I uh, but I, I still think it was. I don't want to spoil things, but I'm about to. I still think it was the best wrestling television show of the week. I'm done. Hi. Someone else say something. 
Hi, hi. Um, yeah, no, I I agree. <laughs> I, I think it was the best. Uh, I think it was the best wrestling show of the week uh, by by quite a bit, actually. I I'm I'm imagining that this lag is actually on Jimmy's end because it seems like Jimmy's uh, taking a little bit longer to connect with everything. Yeah, I think Jimmy. Jeff, I think Jeff, you're actually right there with me. Uh, so um, not sure what's going on. Am with I your delayed stuff there, Jimmy? But it seems like you're a little delayed. Yep. Okay, but you guys can hear me on point right now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we can work around it. It's not. Okay. To, all right, all right. It's not You're like a kung fu movie. I see your mouth moving, then the, the sound comes like a half a second really? later. Uh, oh, I man, am Jimmy. Sucks. Uncle Manchu. I am Jimmy. Your kung fu is not strong. <laughs> Dragon Claw. <laughs> I want to fight you. Remember that from Please Jimmy Academy? killed Uncle. Michael Winslow. <laughs> I'll quickly yeah. back in and out just in case. Usually yeah, that's not that the case for me. But... Quickly back in and out. <laughs> all right, get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> all right, so we get a historical package for AEW. They basically just talk about everything that they've done in the history of AEW leading up to All In in London. That's going to be a big uh, a big audience. Did you know there's a bunch of people that are going to show up to that, Jeff? I've heard something about that or a thing or two. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to not watch that. I mean, yeah. see pictures of it or... Whatever. Or what I'm really excited about is for Jimmy to tell us he's got us hooked up and for him to fall asleep through that or his streams to not work. No, uh, I'm, I'm contemplating um, if I should buy it or not. But I'll, I'll be honest, man. The thing that, that gets me with this pay-per-view, it's all tag team matches. Mainly. I, well, I mean, we can go through the card later on. I'm not... I'm not it's not all tag team matches. There's there's a lot, but there's always a lot in AEW because they have an extraordinarily bloated roster and they have a secondary bloated roster uh, to supplement their regular bloated roster and they want to get as many people on shows. Um, it's a big ask to have people buy tickets for All In and All Out and it's hard to determine which is the more important show because All Out is a traditional pay-per-view they have. All In was sort of slapped together. All the matches were put together in the last two weeks. Um, and it's, it's a, but with the audience size, I mean, there's, there's definitely a curiosity factor there. I don't know. We, we can figure out how we will arrange to watch it or not watch it off, off, off screen. So the audience doesn't know all the, you know, our tricks of our trade. Um, but we'll figure something out. It, you know, uh, we, we all have resources, which those resources could include $60. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> Hey, you know, Hacker Hameen is is the guy in charge over here. So I mean, we we can we can figure it out. We can figure things out. Um, yeah, I honestly I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say about this card other than it's it's a major disappointment. I mean, the main event is is built around the idea of two best friends who are going to have a match, and we just learned this Wednesday that you know what, Jeff. They're both gonna try to win. That's that was the major heat-getting moment of the week. Was Adam and and was Adam and, and Max both saying, you know what, I love you and we're friends, but I'm really gonna actually try to win this match. So for the world championship. Well, good. Yeah, I'm, they they should both give it the old college try. They really should. Just great heat leading into the main event of a of a you know, 80,000 person mega show. That's apparently going to be the biggest crowd in the history of professional wrestling 
outside of North Korea and a few other things. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Fine. Next up, uh, Switchblade is out next with the Bullet Club, and Cardblade is there again, too. So we've got all five members of Bullet Club Gold. Um, he's facing off against Dalton Castle, who comes out with the boys. And I got to say, the crowd really doesn't know how to react to this man. Um, there was there was pretty clear confusion as to what in the fuck is this thing that we're seeing during this entrance. The crowd eventually came around and got into it, but the fact that the crowd and an AEW crowd at that reacted so like perplexed hmm. to Dalton Castle, I think underlines just just how small a niche Ring of Honor really has been over the years. Um, Jeff, you are from the home base of Ring of Honor. Uh, am I wrong here, or was this just this particular crowd, or did it seem like they really did not understand the Dalton Castle shtick? Well, I mean, it's, it's part of the last decade or so iteration of the home of Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, I think its home base originally was Philadelphia at the 2300 uh, Center. But... Um, I don't know. This is the same fan base. I mean, yes, you're right. This, this is the same fan base who yells at you when you don't know what, what entrance song somebody came you know, out to in 2004 that you're not a real fan and you don't know why people are excited. Or you, you didn't know what happened in some random Japanese uh, you know, promotion in 1994 and don't recognize the art of giving homage to a particular type of match that was done by Funajawaki versus Gakugaliki. Uh, those are real names, by the way. Um, and uh, so, yeah, to not know... They're from Dalton, old Japan pro wrestling. Yeah, and, and and to not know Dalton Castle is definitely a little bit weird because he is a former Ring of Honor world champion, and he has been on AEW television on several occasions. Now, he is a confusing character. He comes out as, as you know, he's, he's definitely a throwback to your, you know, your blatantly effeminate character he's got the boys there he's got the feathers he comes out he literally calls himself a peacock and he comes out and he spreads his peacock feathers you know almost like a like a vampire from a cheesy cartoon you know with the wingspan and in his elvis suit and he wrestles with the spanks on because he's got a perpetually bad back um but you know i don't know when he comes down he, he speaks into the camera with that voice he's like he's like I am the sunshine that shine brighter than the stars every day. And, and he talks like this and he's a character, you know, he's, he's a wrestling character in the whole act with the boys. And for a while they wanted to do their own thing and nobody was interested in them doing their own thing. So they reunited and it's an act, but it's, you know, yeah, I'm surprised the AW fans didn't know who he was. I will tell you that when I went to final battle of ring of honor, a couple of years ago, the final actual ring of honor show, he, Dan House, he and Dan Housen got the biggest pops out of any Ring of Honor talent. The Briscoes got the loudest sustained pop. Like the people went to it the whole time, but they were they didn't get the initial pop that Dan Housen or Dalton Castle did. But but sadly to niche fans, the person who got the biggest reaction of all of that show was when they unleashed the Kraken and, and the the man who the, before then and now is known as Braun Strowman. Well, yeah, and uh, you know what, guys? It's a shame because Dalton Castle, at one stage, and you tweeted this out actually, Jeff, because it's so true too. About six years ago, he was a bigger star than, for example, Jay White was. 
right? And he really was. There was a lot of hype on Dalton Castle at one stage before his back deteriorated even more. And unfortunately, since then, he just hasn't been the same in the ring or character-wise. And the boys, the boys at one stage were in NXT, and it seemed like they were destined to some sort of good thing, but I guess that didn't work out. And now they're back to playing the boys. But um, yeah, it's a shame with Dalton Castle. And the fact that this fan base didn't know who they were or who Dalton was is kind of perplexing. But then again, should I be surprised? I mean, I think you, sh- I think you should be surprised. This, this, If he had showed up in WWE and the crowd reacted that way, I would have said, yeah, totally makes sense. But this is AEW. The, the, like, these guys know what shanana nina day is and they right. they they pop for it so like i i don't I, I don't understand how they could not know who dalton castle was it just it was it really was like perplexing for me like why do they not seem to be reacting to this guy yeah it, it but, is perplexing could it be and listen i don't want to get into socio questions but could it be that his character is is such that now in modern wrestling fandom they think it's mocking of something that you're no longer really supposed to mock and it's not that they didn't know who he is they just think that his character is a bad a remnant of bad times Uh, it could be it could be that they that they feel like it's more mocking than um than it was maybe originally intended to be or maybe it was originally intended to be mocking and you know eight years ago it was more acceptable to mock that and now it isn't i don't i I really don't know what it was but they were just very quiet i did think that the crowd got into it eventually and i thought that that was um you know that i think that that shows the talent of dalton castle and jay white i think that dalton castle came in there and for the match um We'll talk about we'll talk about the match a little bit here, and then I'll get your guys' uh, comments on the on the other side of it. Um, Castle with an early takedown. Uh, Jay White seems to be kind of unsure how to handle attacking this guy because every time he goes after him, he's just getting taken down. Dalton Castle seems to be doing a very like traditional wrestling style where he's getting the other guy down. There's holds. Looks like the only thing that I wish he would have done more that would have made it a little bit better if he would have went for some early pins. Uh, a couple of early uh, pin attempts would have made this early part of the match a lot better because it looked like Dalton Castle was like, I'm flamboyant and look at all of the crazy stuff I'm going to do and say and I'm going to get you off your game and then I'm just going to try to pin you and win the match. It looked like that's where they were going with it, but then he wasn't going for the pin. He was just wrestling. you know. Um, well, Dalton Castle, for those who don't know, actually does have a, a pretty storied amateur wrestling background i don't think it's quite dolph ziggler level but he actually is a really good i didn't i didn't real i mean he's always been you know sort of short and thick but he looked really big next to jy which is you know troubling to someone like me but actually i forgot I, he did say coming down twice when he's talking to the to the camera that he was going to suplex him and he was going to suplex jay white until his head comes out of his butt so his, his idea was to take the guy to suplex city yeah it's like mm-hmm. like a really really gay version of Suplex City. Um, mm-hmm. It's like it's like Suplex uh, San Francisco. That's the city. That's the city. <laughs> that's that's the Suplex City that we're going to. Um, you know what's funny was, though, guys? He's not he's not actually really gay either. So <laughs> no, and if he was, I wouldn't care. I, I'm just saying. Right, no. I mean, yeah, well, or yeah, Golda. That's right. Or 
most of the best versions of this character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's the, I mean, this this is the thing with wrestling, right? You're playing a character, and sometimes it can be a lot of fun. Um, fucking if you get gayer. Yeah, <laughs> just get gayer. Just get super gay. Lean into the gay, right? Right? Yeah. It's like brunch yeah. is not gay enough. Come on, we everyone loves brunch. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, there's too much uh, yeah. fucking around with the boys in the club early in the match. I thought that the ref really could have done a better job of getting, you know, control of this, but I suppose you can't take away everybody's toys. And this is what people have sort of learned to rely on with the indie booking. They're like, you know, uh, oh, we've got six guys and everybody's going to get involved and it's just going to be an absolute shit show. So I didn't like that. Um, Early in this show, I did notice something that, it, and I think that this corrected itself. It seemed like Kevin Kelly was a step behind. Like Nigel would say something, and Kevin would like take a second to sort of register it and then react. I think it might have been just a situation where like Kevin's been off for a while, right? Like he hasn't been here. Right. Um, but early on, it it stuck out to me, and then I think they they figured it out before the end of the show. But at least for this first match. Nigel would say something and then you'd get like a, a, a solid like second before Kevin Kelly would sort of like catch up to like what he was at talking about. So, yeah, I, I mean, do you, do, do you prefer Rico Boney over, over Kevin Kelly, Chris right now? Or I like, normally I would say no, but I actually think that Ian works better with Nigel. I, I think that it, it's a more entertaining show with, with Ian but Kevin Kelly is a really great announcer too. So it might just be something where these guys need to work together a little more to get better chemistry. But I, I, I have really, really liked Dean Riccoboni on, on this show the last couple of weeks. Jeff, what did you think? I hate to say it because if you asked me this six weeks ago, I would have said, no, definitely Nigel and Kevin Kelly, but I do prefer Nigel and Ian Riccoboni. I mean, I, 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 I don't know what it is. I, maybe it's his energy level, but I find myself tuning out to the commentary when it's Kevin Kelly, and I just listen to Nigel McGuinness. But I hear the commentary more when it's when it's Ian and and Nigel, and it's weird because I'm used to hearing Ian and Caprice Coleman, and they are a dull as hell combination. They are. So they really are. So, so it's like I, it's not like I'm coming to this from a like Ian Riccoboni's great. I don't think he sucks either. I mean, I, I was one saying that. You know, when they were having commentary trouble, that the WWE should have brought Ian Riccoboni in and given him a try. Um, I also said they should have tried to get Kevin Kelly back and see how that would work because their commentary sucks. But um, I think this is a nice problem to have because they're both good and they're both professionals. Uh, and I and I do think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Kevin Kelly was off for a while. Also, I mean, commentary is different in Japan. It is more demure, more polite, as I understand it, because I don't watch it, but that's what I'm told. So maybe he was still in J Japan mode rather than U.S. mode. Um, but yeah, you, the, the simple answer to your question is yes, I, I have preferred Nigel and Ian. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it definitely sort of put that under under things that I didn't expect any of us to be saying. Um, but hey, shout outs to Ian Riccoboni, who did a really good job when he was here. So uh, maybe we can get him back. Maybe we can get some some kind of a, a mixture. I, I wouldn't mind a mixture of the three of them. Um, Speaking of Ian, rock my body. Let's talk about Dalton Castle some more. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Um, all right. So 
I actually really liked Castle. I was impressed with him in this match. He showed off a really like hard-hitting technical style that very much contrasts the character, right? Which I thought was a which I think is really cool. I've never I've never really like followed Dalton Castle much, so this was really one of my first like exposures to see him work. Um like I've seen I've seen clips and stuff, but I've never really seen him work a whole match. I really like the deadlift suplexes he was landing here. Um, really showing off power and technical ability. So good for him. That was a cool part of the match. There's a couple of deep chops on the outside from Jay White that really, really got some some sound out of him. Uh, and then uh, Castle gets back in control with the Hurricane Rana. The boys dive to the outside to take down the Bullet Club. Again, there's a little bit too much of this fuckery going on where there's just everybody's doing everything they can and there's there's jumping here and there's, these guys are jumping and these guys are, they're not really getting involved, but they're kind of getting involved. Like at a certain point, the referee just has to say, you, 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 get the fuck out, right? right. Like I really wish they would go to that a little bit quicker, but I get that they wanted to try to protect Dalton Castle and this is a way to do it where... There's so much going going on that he never really, you know, he never really got a fair chance against Jay White. You know, they didn't come out and say that, but at least they were sort of showing it to you. Um, Blade Runner gets the finish for the match. Um, it was solid but unspectacular. I liked this match, and I thought, um, hey, if we get another two hours that are like the first, whatever this might have been at this point, a half hour, I'm going to be really, really happy with this show. So... There's probably too much nonsense with the club and the boys. Go ahead and say that. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, what, what did you think of the match, Jimmy? Just just the match overall before we get into the post-match stuff. What did you think? Well, the match was fine. I didn't mind the match. But my, my issue is, is more we've got to build to all in, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Oh, sorry, my internet's playing up again. But uh, and and that's my issue, man. We've only got so many days to all in or all out, whatever the fuck. I'm confused at this point. And oh, I just felt like they could have done more, or both, right? They could have done more by building that up more so than just having this match. And sure, we do have post-match crap that goes on, but still, I mean, what's he's got to do with with uh, Dalton Castle? You know what I mean? I think that's fair criticism, and you know, I mean, it, one thing that could have made a little difference with 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 not much more effort was would have Takesh to come out with them. I mean, he, he they're ta they're teaming with him, and we're all supposed to pretend that they're on the same side and they know each other and that they're all committed to the same goal. We didn't see anything about, it. but on the match itself, if this was four years ago in Ring of Honor. I would have really liked this match. And again, I say this a lot with AEW. In a vacuum, I thought this was this match was fine. However, in 2023, in in AEW, on collision especially in week nine, when we are we have now successfully carved out Jay White, both figuratively <laughs> in in the cutout, and, and you, you know, in any other way you want to look at it as the leader of the Bang Bang Club and your, your solo star, he shouldn't have had this much trouble with Dalton Castle, who's not a priority in the AEW exactly. or even the Ring of Honor universe. So Dalton should have gotten some offense in, but uh, you know, it should, this shouldn't have been a commercial break kind of match. It should have been 
quicker. No disrespect to Dalton Castle. It's just his role in the AEW universe right now. So I don't hate it. I mean, I but I've seen this pattern with Jay White that he has these like 14, 15 matches. He's either taking most of the offense or it's 50-50, and then all of a sudden he hits two moves and the match is over. And if that's his thing, I get it, but that does I don't think that really works in in the US. I mean that's that's not really our thing. You're either you're either a dominant champion when you're when you're fighting inferior talent and you, you struggle in the big matches, or you're not. And right now he feels like and listen, it's not just him. They do AW does what's there. You, you you put Matt Seidel against Kenny Omega, you're gonna get a twenty minute match. It's it, it, it it's the same old stuff. And I criticize that. So that I didn't like that it was it was too long of a match for that. But you know if I believe for a second that this was going to be a launch pad for Dalton Castle to be more important, whether I'm a fan or not, I, I think that, the, that this would make sense. But it, it makes no sense. We probably won't see Dalton Castle for months. Yeah, that's, 100%. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Um, Tony Schiavone gets in the ring, and he wants to ask some questions. But Jay White takes the microphone away from him. I love the little things that Jay White does, like the way that he took the microphone away from him. Like, you know, Tony's hand is on the microphone, and then – Jay like takes the microphone and like can't get it away so he just very gently but like sort of not gently like slaps Tony's hand like a couple of times till he like lets go like he just kind of slaps at it like like really almost like effeminate but it, it was just it was really really good heel work there like the oh, little yeah. things yeah like the little things that that Jay White is doing um definitely definitely good stuff um <clears throat> uh <laughs> Hitman in the chat here says, uh, Chris likes little things. Uh, make note, mm -hmm. people. That's right. I do. I like little things. My girlfriend is like five foot two. So I'm a big <laughs> fan of little things. Um, anyway, Jay says uh, he wants to talk about what he wants to talk about and to hell with what Tony wants to ask. Jay says he's known Kenny a long time. And Kenny and his friends have deceived the world. Uh, for this, for the last few years, convincing the world that they are the elite of the Bullet Club, but Jay White says that him and the Bang Bang Gang are a step above the elite, and I 100% agree. But we will see; it probably won't be done that way. Um, <laughs> it's probably not how we're going to book this feud, um, but it probably should be. Anyway, Juice takes the microphone and he says, basically, Hangman's going to get his ass kicked it all in, and the guns want a piece of the bucks uh also the guns and juice want a six-man match tonight so they ask tony to send somebody out and uh we'll get to that in a second but um we'll go with jeff first jeff what did you think of this uh this little back this, this little uh, interview segment with uh with jay juice and the guns I liked the bullying. I liked how they kept taking Tony's hand and trying to turn his fist or his, his discomfort into making it into a bang, bang gun. I also liked that they didn't shy away from the gun thing, given what was going on with Cash Wheeler. They just ignored it. It's a TV show. Continue on. Uh, Tony actually wasn't overly annoying in this. He, he was looking like he was obviously uncomfortable, afraid. He was doing weird things with his eyes, but... I've seen Tony do this kind of thing before, much worse. So this was pretty good, um, and I I liked Juice's promo. He, he's like, I, I don't know what Adam Page said about two minutes, but he said it took us two minutes to put the great Kenny Omega into the hospital. What do you think we're gonna do to you, idiot? 
<laughs> I just think it's funny when someone yells idiot. And so, I think I think idiot or dumber dummy is more funny than bitch. I, I just do. I don't know. Yeah, you stupid idiot. Um, yeah. yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, so the people who Tony has found uh, for them to wrestle are the Iron Savages Bears. Savage Bears. The Savage Iron Bears. And, uh, yeah, they come out and they cut a little promo on their way to the ring. And it was mostly about uh, being big and strong. So Could could have used this last week. Yeah, really. Not a, not a bad little, you know, little on the way to the ring promo. And, man, the Savages do wrestle like big guys. And they, they, they were booked in this match to wrestle like big, strong dudes. Um, and the Guns and Juice wrestled like... Heels. They cut the smaller guy off. They uh, they were cheating. They were constantly distracting the referee so that they could rake the eyes and pull on the tights and just like generally be annoying fucking bad guys. Um, I, I thought that this was a pretty good match. Also, I love the fact that I'm not sure how much of this was on the air and how much of it was just the feed, but. Jay White uh, goes over to the goes over to the announce desk and he starts basically pestering Kevin Kelly about like, hey, I want to like, why? Where's my headset? Why? How come there's not a headset for me? And uh, they had to basically. It, it seemed like a real thing that they had to get someone to come out with a third headset, which begs the question: How? Like, why did you not? Why do you not automatically have a third headset on the desk? Like, yeah. why would you not think to do that as a company? Yeah, but I, it also means that maybe this was unplanned, and Jay White just was was vamping on a on a live show, which is fun. Uh, the only thing about the Iron Savages that that's a, a little bit weird is they seem a little bit like heavy machinery. Like I felt like they were doing like a gimmick on heavy machinery, but I guess no one really remembers heavy machinery. Um, because why would Is you that really a Japanese know? tag team? Yeah, for exactly. Uh, you know, the, the, those are uh, the Pacific Rims. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I you know the, I, the guy's promo was good. I mean, the one thing is this, the one guy is enormous, but the 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 guy Jimmy Jack Jameson or whatever his name is. I mean, he's jacked to he's jacked to the gills. But the other ones don't. I mean, they 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 look big and strong, one of them much more than the other. But it, it, it doesn't look like... It, it's not like it's Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar there. It's not like it looks like all they do, you know, is eat, sleep, and dream lifting weights. Um, so it's it's a bit strange when, when, I'm, when I'm seeing it. But uh, anyway, off of that, I thought it was a, a good match. And... It, you know, it was tough to figure out how the the much smaller but team that was obviously going to win should win, and and they won in the way you said through through tag team shenanigans and taking advantage of their experience and their their brains and and the other guys were overly cocky. By the way, when we were the criticism we were giving the other week about the Hardys, you know, both trying to pin someone at the same time. Uh, you don't get to have two people try to pin one person, but if one person tries to pin two or three, that's okay. Especially if you know they're the heel. Though I'm not sure who. Who I think these are both heel teams. Anyway, uh, and he was unsuccessful in doing it, which which is good, uh, even though he's a giant guy because he overplayed his hand. I mean, you can't cover three people and cover six shoulders at the same time. Um, so 
But I thought the match was good. It was fine. It, it, it got the job done, and, and the Bang Bang Gang beat a team that has some credibility. It's a good warm-up for what they're going uh, into, even though the six-man isn't Juice and the Gun Club. So there's that incongruity there. Um, I, you know, so this these are the little things that, that I wasn't sure, like, how it was fitting into all in, whereas I can see that they want Jay White to be the single superstar and the other guys to be like the supporting cast and or tag team. And so that fits with that, but it doesn't fit with all in. And I'm not sure that it fits with all out because we know almost nothing about all out except one match was announced later this evening. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's frustrating to be honest with you because it's like they've got this opportunity in front of them and it really is a big opportunity. I mean, whether or not they have actually sold 80,000 seats, I have my doubts. Like I, I am sure that some of the receipts on there say Coney Ton and uh, et cetera. Like I, I'm sure that a bunch of the receipts say that. But even if they've got, let's say, 50,000 people in that arena, it is going to be loud. It is going to look fantastic on television. Like it's going to look like a full house with 50,000 people and 50,000 fucking fans is a big deal, right? If they actually have the 80,000 people there and what you're doing with Kenny Omega and Jay white is some random fucking six man tag. Like why, why not have a singles match between those two? You've got what you're calling the biggest the biggest crowd in the history of professional wrestling, and you, they just don't seem to be interested in putting on marquee matches because there's guys on the show that you could make a really great show out of, but they're just not using them right. Jeff, right. am I seeing this wrong? No, you're not seeing that wrong. I mean, it's obvious that the 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 I like you book a place with all of these tickets. You assume you're going to sell a good amount of them. Uh, you want to put on a great show, and you want to put. But you don't want to make the hard decisions, the hard booking decisions, who wins or how they win or who wins and how you protect the other guy because you want to keep them both strong. But you're absolutely right. Kenny Omega versus Jay White is a marquee matchup. This this six-man match we're getting is the setup match on the blow the, the go-home show before the pay-per-view. It's not the pay-per-view match itself. And yeah. if they you know, and if they're treating all out as a super dynamite to 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 book all out in you know a week later. A, it's too late for all that. I mean, it really is because you've asked a lot of people to blow 60 bucks for all in. And there's not that many, there, there just aren't that many wrestling fans that are going to pay for pay-per-views two weeks in a row. Or at least I don't think there are. I think there's reasons that it may, who knows, maybe be proven wrong. And when this was first announced, I think I was on the record saying anything above, tw anything around 25 to 32,000 seats, that's a win. And yep. And, you know, so everything I've said critical about, you know, and being doubtful about all tickets since then, that's all anyone's going to remember from me. But if you go back saying anything above 25 to 32,000 is a win, you know, then, you know, I set the bar pretty low for victory. Now, now it's, you know, now I can put on my skeptic goggles, but we'll see. But no, I think as far as just building a pay-per-view and and putting together a card that's actually worthy of 83,000. I mean, that I think should be more important than all out and 
I think they went the wrong direction with that. And I don't know if that's because Team Punk can't talk to Team Omega and Tony Khan can't mediate or or if it's just we didn't know what we were getting into. What, what we stepped in, we, we wanted to jump into the pool, but we didn't realize it was this this deep. And so we're just trying to we're just trying to do the best we can and you know and, and hope it all works out. And again, they have the most forgiving fan base in wrestling, if not all sports. Um, so you know, I guess that you can sort of take advantage of that while you can. I, I agree. And so Aaron Ben Shlomo has an interesting comment here. I'm sorry I can't highlight it, guys. I, I uh, this is this is the HMG Streamyard, so I can't highlight the comments. But anyway, um, Aaron says they already have the money, so why try? And the reason why you try is because you have an opportunity to make a spectacle out of the show and then grow your audience off of the fact that the show was gigantic, right? If you're a if you're a lapsed wrestling fan and you're flipping through and you're watching ESPN or whatever, and there's a little, there's a little blurb there about, you know, uh, you know, new wrestling company, AEW sells out 80,000 seat arena, right? You might be slightly more interested to tune in and see, whoa, what happened there? What, what's this new wrestling company? You might be just a little bit more interested in finding out what happened. And the same and in the same way, ESPN might be just a little more interested in covering what happened. Oh wow, eighty thousand people—they had eighty thousand people. Well, let's let's give them a little bit of coverage, right? Let's cover that. Let's talk about that on the air. And then what happens is, if the show sucks, what people are going to remember is, yeah, I tuned in, and then the show was garbage. I'm never watching this again. Or you know, those, let's say 10,000 extra people who tune in because they hear it's going to be 80,000 people in the biggest arena that they've ever covered. And it's this huge event and it's the biggest thing that's ever happened in pro wrestling. Those extra five or 10,000 people who tune in, if they see a fucking show that just blows their minds, they're going to talk to all of their other lapsed wrestling fan friends and be like, guys, I'm fucking telling you this company is awesome. This company put on just this huge fucking show. The crowd was going nuts and they were fucking screaming. There's 80,000 people yelling. And then this fucking spot happens and it was fucking fantastic. But yeah, no, it just seems like they're basically running dynamite in front of 80,000 people. It's fucking weird. And there's other simpler reasons. One is to get more people to buy the pay-per-view. I mean, pay-per-view is, is basically free money. You know, so whatever you do on the gate, you, you can supplement greatly or, or equal or even surpass on a good pay-per-view. And you want to get people to buy pay-per-views in the future. Mind you, one is seven days in the future from, from this one. So you want people to not just tune into the tv shows but buy the pay-per-view go these these are worth buying it's worth my 60 dollars to to buy these shows and i'm going to do it and i'm going to watch the free tv and then you buy merch and then you and that's how you make fans so i mean part of the reason of doing a spectacle like this and betting on yourself is so that you can parlay it into something more consistent you you can start doing you know bigger arenas around the world you can do more international shows you can spread your brand um you can stop being embarrassed when your flagship show can't sell 5,000 tickets in, in major cities. You know, you can, you can, 
you can start treating other markets that are that are untapped and uh, and take these risks and be known for doing super shows and you know and hopefully when you come back to the u.s those markets now they're hungry to see your product and 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 you can go back to the days where you were getting nine to eighteen thousand people in in arenas and and the pay-per-views became must see and you don't need to give away everything on TV because your product is so healthy that the same or more people are watching it anyway because they want to see the setups. What's going to lead to the next big pay-per-view? So right. there's lots of reasons for it, and a lot of them require dominoes to fall, but that's how that's how businesses grow and profit. Yeah, exactly. That's But you have to be focused on profiting in order to profit, and I don't know that AEW necessarily is. I wanted to uh, just give another one more shout-out to the Iron Bear Savages, the Savage Iron Bears, or whatever the fuck they're called. Um, I thought that there was a couple of things that I really liked from that team tonight. Um, first of all, they worked like big, strong men, and that's exactly what they are. They're big, strong men. And I really, really liked the small attention to detail that the guns went to hit the 310 to Yuma and couldn't because the guy they were trying to get up is a tank. There was no way to get him up for that 310. They had to wait until the other guy tagged in, and then Juice got the pin with his front face DDT. I don't even know what to call it. But, um, yeah, I, I like the logic in the match. And, um I much prefer these kinds of squash matches where like, okay, you know that the iron, the iron savages aren't winning this match, but they still get to like express themselves in some way. Right. It still looks like, well, okay. If they're going to lose, there needs to be a reason why these big, strong sons of bitches lost. Right. And it makes sense to do it this way. Right where okay, we wait until the small guy gets tagged in. Then they were able to hit a finish on him. Right, they couldn't get they couldn't get their their big moves done on the gigantic monster because of course they couldn't. That's logic, and sometimes that takes a little bit of extra time. But I prefer this kind of booking to just you know random luchador comes in and gets his ass kicked all the time. I prefer this kind of booking to what we saw with Jay White and Dalton Castle. If it was the equivalent singles match, I wouldn't have yeah. had a single critique about it. I agree. I, I agree with that. All right. So there's a recap from the last month showing Billy uh, Gunn losing, and then the you know the whole story with his boots, and then we get a video message from the House of Black, and uh, I I am conflicted about whether or not I like this because there's 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 bits of this that I really thought have potential, and then and then I just thought, but it's the House of Black, so it's probably going to be. They're probably going to get about 5% out of this that they could. So Malachi basically talks about uh, myths and legends about the afterlife. He talks about how, you know, in, in some of the myths and legends, you know, the dead essentially wander in a shadow version of real life um, going through their lives. And if they were failures in life, then they continue to be failures in the shadow realm. And uh, tells Billy Gunn um, not to rest in peace or to rest in power but to rest in pain. Um, again, there's elements here, and I think, oh, that's cool. I really like that. And then it's like, but they're not going to get anything out of this, or if they do, I'll be really shocked. Jeff, what did you think about this segment? I like the vignette. I like the importance that they're putting on it, but it seems like this all happened too quickly. It seems like this promo should be you know either a before when you when you're telling someone you're going to target them 
or at the end of, of a prolonged feud. This is like a three-week thing. You know, maybe it's more than three weeks chronologically because they're not always on TV. Aside from that, this is a little bit of a nitpicky thing, but rest in pain is a little bit close to rest in peace. And that felt, I don't know. It, it was a little too close. Is And I know that, that Malachi Black, Aleister Black, Tommy End loves The Undertaker. And he's sort of like the, so the indie taker version of The Undertaker. Uh, so I'm sure he meant he did it in a respectful manner. And, and, and it just felt, I don't know, it just felt too close to The Undertaker's rest in peace to me. Yeah, I agree. It was a little. It was a little close. Uh, Jimmy, have you heard much of what we've been saying, or have you been trying to get your internet fixed? No, no, I haven't heard much of what you guys have been saying. So, please, where are you at? So, we were talking about the uh, the video package from Malachi Black, um, which both of us thought, okay, there's elements to this that are really cool, right? Like we like the fact that he's talking about like the myths and legends of the afterlife and et cetera, et cetera, right? But both kind of said like. Maybe the timing's a little off. It should have been done earlier or it should be done later. Or, you know, my my thing is, my worry is that AEW tends to do this thing where they have a really cool idea and they'll pluck this cool idea out and they'll be like, all right, we're going to focus on this idea. And then they get about 10% of the value that they could out of it, right? Like we all said when QTV first started, hey, you know, what if they did this and that and the other thing? And it could be simple. It could be 30 seconds long every week but it could be a really entertaining fun stupid little part of the show and they got about five percent of the value that they could have out of it so jimmy what did you think about the the video package from malachi black basically ending with rest in pain billy gun stupid okay <laughs> straight up i mean rest in pain come on <laughs> man who, who gave him this crap like, that's what I want to know. I hope it wasn't himself because, A, it sounds cheesy. B, it's still very cheesy. And C, you're not The Undertaker. All right. So, come on, man. You can't come up with something better than rest in pain, really. Yeah, I mean, he could, just, he could just say it in Dutch and it would probably sound cool. I mean, I'm guessing. I don't, I don't know what, what the Dutch equivalent is, but... Probably. It probably sounds similar, though. It probably still kind of similar sounding to "rest in pain" because Dutch and German, for example, is not so much. I mean, it's different to English, obviously, but it's you can kind of understand certain words if that makes any sense. But yeah, I mean, for for starters, why? What's going on, man? I mean, they stole his boots. Yeah, they stole. Yeah, his I boots. know. But are to we going to get an ending to this? Are we going to get a conclusion? Yeah. Well, here's the part that I don't... Here's the confusing I thought he retired part. himself. That's the thing. Exactly. That's exactly right. Is that Billy Gunn put his boots in the center of the ring, so he retired. So what the hell does he care? The story is he gave up. So why are they trying to force him out? I mean, he's gone. It's like it's like they're trying to taunt him to come back to push him out again. It's 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 backwards. He he should quit after he eats the pin in this or something like that. It's he quit already. So you're right. It it, it doesn't make any the story doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's silly. It's by the, by the way, rest in pain in Dutch is Rusten in Pien. See, I told you it sounds similar. Yeah, but it's it, it sounds different enough. It would have it would have been cool. And and this is another thing where you have 
champions chasing challengers. I don't know. I don't understand AW's obsession with champions chasing challengers unless they just don't realize they come up with a story that they think is cool and they could be anyone. For all I know, Tommy End is the one that came up with this idea and he's the one who thinks it's cool. And nobody says, you're the champions. People should be coming after you. And when they come after you, then you torment them. Not, not, one guy quits, and then you try to torment him into coming back just to fight again for your titles. It, 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 I mean, when you put it that way, or when I put it that way, it does seem rather absurd. A little a little crazy, yeah. Um, so, again, we're in this situation where good idea, right? They grab this good idea, and then they just implement it completely wrong. Anyway, like next up... should file away and plan to use when House of Pain aren't the champions and when they're trying to chase somebody else go good idea wrong time let's do let's look let's do this in five or six months yeah right uh aaron ben shlomo says jeff can you remember the last time aew used traditional wrestling logic why do you think they have those numbers accurate but i can the opening segment of this show was extremely traditional wrestling logic logic yep. yeah the start was and that's it <laughs> And I actually like this next thing, too. So the next thing is we have a video package, and it's uh, – I have no idea what the fucking guy's name is who's with LIJ, who's like their – he's like – he's their version of Abrahantes. I guess he's like their their translator. Oh, Jose the assistant. Right. Jose the assistant is backstage, and he gets a phone call, and it's the boss, Arush. And Roosh is not happy. He says, you know, LIJ has been an embarrassment in America. They need to come back to Mexico so that they can be retrained on how to do things the way LIJ does it. Um, there's a video of the American, you know, the AEW version of LIJ. I guess LIJ Gold. <laughs> uh, well, LIJ... Actually, it's the Mexican version, technically, not Japan. So. No, no, I'm saying the but I'm saying the Americans that are part of the, the two guys who are losing all the time in AEW. I'm reasonably certain that 10 is not Mexican. Um, <laughs> otherwise, his name is... Pero peligroso. <laughs> um, anyway, they, they show up in Mexico, and uh, they go and get drunk and act like idiots, and then a van pulls up, and I guess Roosh uh, shoves them all in a van, and he's going to retrain them. So I like this. This was, this was stupid, but <laughs> if it means that... But if it means that we're going to get a more serious version of LIJ that are a little more, you know, a little more tough, a little more serious, I'm all for it. How many start and stops are we getting with uh, Los Ingobernables de Mexico or de AEW, whatever the fuck they are? I mean, haven't we already tried this already? I don't know that we've tried this already. We've tried something well, with them, which was just for them to come out and be fucking right. useless. But but the, but the start stopping shit has been done already, and we're going to try this all over again. This I is mean, this is this is what I should have said to Aaron in the last comment when we summoned AEW logic. I expect more from Collision AEW logic than I do from regular AEW logic. So I give a I give Collision almost a clean slate on almost all AEW canon to start over again. My my issue with this is, is I, I thought the video was good. It's actually the best Jose the Assistant has ever been. 
I didn't know who was on the phone until the end. And then when he said Roosh, I didn't know Roosh was the boss. As Aaron pointed out, I thought Andrade was the boss, or I thought maybe they were going to introduce us to someone new. Would it be Dario Cueto? Would it be El Bestia, Roosh's father? Was it Andrade? It didn't sound like his voice, but I don't know. I haven't heard him speak fast Spanish, naturally. I hear him speak <laughs> broken English and slow Spanish for an American audience. I didn't... You know, would it be Conan? I, I didn't know who was on the other side. How of the dare you say such a thing about Andrade? <laughs> With my mask. So, and, and why isn't Andrade involved in this? I mean, we know the why. He's probably got an injury that nobody wants to talk about. The same reason Ricky Starks isn't wrestling right now. But, I mean, he can't be the boss in this. I mean, I, well, I do know why, because he's a face on Collision. So I just figured it out. Good for me. Anyway. Um, he's a mask. But but I did. <laughs> listen, it took me a while to realize that that was Drillistico and only in context. It would have been nice if they did some subtitles or, or said. I thought it was Simcara. Like, I, 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 no, I think it was Julie. It's, it's too tall, but I would have liked it if they did it like almost like pulpy co comic style, like they had like box narration. Like, meanwhile, in Mexico, dot, 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 uh, uh, to Pelo Pelo Grossa and Dralistico are enjoying some of the local amenities. And then you got to them, you know, doing drugs. But I, I like this. I, I, you know, it took me back to when it was. Um, what was Santos Escobar when they were Legado del Fantasma? Even before that, when they kept kidnapping people in the NXT parking lot, before they were at LFG uh, or L, never mind, Legado del Fantasma, LDF or LDP. It doesn't matter. Anyway, fine. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? But I, I liked it. I, I like that they put them, they put, they like, stop partying, get serious. They put them into the vans and, and, and away. So I like it. I do hope that they have a more serious LFI. Um, I always thought that LFI was going to come to Andrade's rescue with House of Black and the mask. It seems like they didn't, but maybe they still will. I, I you know, to get revenge. Uh, I don't know. I, I liked it, I, but the, it 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 wasn't perfect, but it was good enough for wrestling. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, to me, I'd love to see more of this. I like. I, I've I've been saying for a really long time that fifteen minute matches with Drillistico is not going to get Drillistico over. If you want to get some of these guys over, the best thing you can do is have segments, have video packages where, where we're getting to know these people, you know, on a character level, because you don't care about the, like you don't care about the guys who Batman fights, you know, in the middle of the street. You just don't, you do not give a shit. Even if he's big and looks crazy and has scars all over his face. If you don't know the backstory behind you know, what this guy is thinking and why he's doing what he's doing, you don't give a shit. You do not care about those guys, right? But when you when you get to know the character, right, when you learn that Bane was in a, a South American prison in Santa Prista uh, because his father had committed some crime and there in that country the sons carry the burdens of the father and he was, you know, he was raised in this awful, terrible place and etc 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 once you learn the backstory of characters you actually care you do not care about just oh they're fighting batman they must be great i'm really invested in that you're not so same thing with with a wrestling character you get invested because you understand them better and the way that you're going to understand characters is show me character work spot on 
Yeah. All right. Agreed. All right. Anyway, Tony Schiavone is backstage next with Ricky Starks, and Starks says he's going to bring his war to AEW, and it appears as if he's teamed up with Big Bill. So, cool. Uh, next up, we have a package video from Starks. Um, I thought this was very funny. It was very much in the you know in the same universe as like perfume commercials. Um, it it reminded me a lot of actually Rick the Model Martel. I was gonna say um, that right. And so I Arigans, Arigans. <laughs> Sounds fucking. <laughs> and and I love it. That's all we it. need. And then, and then, of course, the name of it was Absolute. So, good <laughs> stuff. Um, Bill is in action next against Darren Dale, who I who? was sure was just, you know, uh, Jim Duggan, but, you know, not old. Okay. The funny thing is, I think his name is Timothy Deal, actually. And I saw him. He's part of AXW. He's part of the, the American Excellence person where the Dollar Club guys, where where the dollar king you know is, is sort of like a, a hype man there as as a mr america or whatever and i'm like I, I think i saw that guy and and in fact it was but uh, yeah i you know what i like starks as a manager and it made me think back to everyone criticizing you know vince mcmahon wanted adam cole to be a manager for keith lee and like people looking back and saying that actually could have worked uh, i think this is a, it's not the same two guys but it's a similar dynamic and if this is going to have Big Bill finally be taken seriously, I mean, Big Bill is someone you build a promotion around. And, and so can Ricky Starks be maybe if you do it exactly right. But Big Bill, you don't have to do it exactly right. You just can't fuck it up because um, it sort of speaks for itself. He's seven feet tall and you can't teach that. And he's jacked. You can teach that, but he's already there. And he's got yep. I mean, so but he's not that great a talker. I mean, he can a little bit, but you'd really rather not hear him talk. So this is a really good pairing. I'm really interested in this, and I'm almost upset that Ricky's suspension, which is 28, four weeks, not 30 days, which was sort of interesting but sort of weird in its own way. Um, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just it, it's unfortunate that this pairing might be halfway over unless they're going to make them into a tag team or Bill's going to be his, basically going to be his diesel to, to uh, heal Shawn Michaels, which I, I'm down with all of that. I'm okay with all of it. So... I actually really enjoyed this part of it. I just, I just, I sort of like how Ricky Stark said when Tony Schiavone said 30 days when it's only four weeks, which is 28 days. And this is the kind of stupidity that makes him hate working here. I, I felt like there was something more meta there and he was playing off on some of the, the shoot stuff that's going on there, turning into a work. And so I like this, but I thought this was a good use of, of Ricky Stark and a big bill is going to be booked better and more consistently and stronger on collision. Yay! All day long, hallelujah. Yeah, you though, absolutely. Jeff? I don't know. One week. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> one week. That's all we get with Big Bill. Is one week. That's it. You're so cynical. Well, that sucks. I hope I hope they book him better, and I, I hope he becomes like a major part of the story with Ricky Starks because I think that as good as Starks is at a lot of things, he's still pretty small. And I think that maybe have you know having a heater, having a diesel character for you know for Ricky Starks to work off of would be a really good thing for him. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, uh, Big Bill squashes this dude, and then Ricky Starks whips him with the belt, and then tosses him out of the ring, and that's the end of that. Um, 
We get a video package next that explains that Sting and Darby attacked AR Fox at his wrestling school. So, wow. I I guess AR Fox is training a bunch of little bitches because there was a bunch of people surrounding the ring that didn't help AR Fox at all. And I got to tell you, if I'm if I'm running a wrestling business, if I'm running a wrestling school and 20 of my of my students don't help me when I'm getting attacked by a 60-year-old man and a meth head, I'm going to be pretty fucking upset with my students. I mean, does this feel like Cobra Kai all over again? Are we going to have, like, school versus school fights? I mean, first we had, uh, uh, what's it called, Foxy Foxy Brown, whatever you want to call him, and, um, <laughs> and, and Swerve, yeah, and Swerve turn up to that young kid's school, whatever you want to call it, the shed, right? And now we, we're getting it the other way around. What is this? The Buddy shit, Wayne man? Academy, which is, like, the worst one's garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a garage I mean, for quarter horses. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck is this shit? That's stupid. Know. Listen, it's... I think I think a lot of the, the trainees, they, first of all, they were obviously told something's happening, so do not do anything, but they were clearly starstruck. You could see in their eyes, they were starstruck to see Darby for and, sure, yeah. and, and Sting. And I had a... I, I got a teaser that this was happening from another show and they were sort of mocking it that there's like 45 people at an indie show. No, it wasn't 45 people at an indie show. It was at the actual school and he obviously called them all the students and some extras to come in to, to make it look cool. And yeah, does this wrestling school look like sort of like a shabby gym that, 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 that's not? Yeah, it does. But so what? I, I don't know. I, I actually thought it was. I can so tell rough. you. I can tell you as somebody who's been in lots of different boxing gyms. Most of the best boxing gyms look like shabby little fucking gyms that nobody should want to spend any time in because those places really do develop your character. Yeah, as I, they should. I, I would, uh, you know, I've, I have no context for that. But listen, the, the, space is not cheap, and AR Fox was not rich, so yeah, it looked like sort of an oversized, like sort of like either a very small warehouse or a very large storage facility anyway whatever i didn't care about the facility i, I thought it was kind of cool that sting and darby went to his school to exact a little revenge the only thing they should have also had is nick wayne be, join in on that a little bit but i guess he's not part of the big match anyway it was fine it was a fine little segment and and the, the, they paid darby and sting to go to ar fox's wrestling school and give all of his students a thrill to actually see Darby Allen and Sting in, in front of them perform, and I'm sure they hung out and they probably did some training. They probably signed autographs and took pictures and gave them motivational speakers. But as far as a TV segment, listen, this, this has not been a greatly built card. This helped build a match that's on the card. I got no problem with it. It's true. Yeah, I'll give it that. I'll give it that. At least they're building to a match. Um, next up here, we get what was a pretty decent women's match, actually. Um, Again, I'm not sure how much of this it's I, I could sort of catch a little bit of when they were and when they weren't on commercial. But I watched this match straight through Willow versus Diamante. And um, I really liked this match. It was very much a, a logical, you know, a logical match here. So uh, to start off with the, the my first comment is Diamante looks like a smaller China. Um <laughs> In the face, she looks very, very similar to like young China, like before China got a bunch of surgery done. Um, and I yeah, thought it was she does have funny. a chin. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny because they 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 said that her, her angelic face or something like that, and I just went. Ugh. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> angelic face. No. Yeah, she's got a hit on her, man, for sure. Yeah, well, if you actually hear there. the descriptions of angels in the Bible, you would know that they're very scary. They're terrifying, yeah. But like this wasn't terrifying. It was just bleh. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, Diamante, hey, she focuses on a, on a lot of heelish tactics, at least to start with the match. Um, she's rubbing her forearms on Willow's face, and she's she's trying to get the, the choke applied, and she's she's focusing on the knees. Everything that she did in this match really, really looked like a smaller heel trying to go after the bigger, stronger face, which you don't often get from people. Like, um, a lot of times the smaller heels don't know how to work that. They don't know how to really do that. And this looked very convincing that it was the smaller heel trying to beat up a bigger, stronger face in Willow. Um, she picks it up a bit after a buzzsaw kick. Um and then she starts dominating with the help of Mercedes Martinez, who's helping on the outside. She's hooking the legs and she's she's making distractions. And she's, you know, the and then Diamante's making a distraction, which allows Mercedes to hit Willow on the outside, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Very much like standard but sensical heelish tactics. And um anyway, yeah, she's choking, chopping the legs. You know, just focusing on exactly what you'd expect her to. Um, Statlander runs down at some point here, and uh, she attacks Martinez, and she gave her what looked like like an overhead suplex, and immediately on landing, you saw Statlander go. Ugh. Right, she she knocked her. She hurt herself. <laughs> Fuck, she's terrible. She's so bad at this. Like she's hurting herself and other people. Like. She's literally hurting people, and she makes it look like she's not hurting people. It is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do as a professional wrestler. Fuck me, is she terrible? Right, she, she had the she got she gave herself the the Rey Mysterio whiplash. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly what it looked like, and it was like, dude, oh, great, great comment. <laughs> Great comment here from Retro Rocket Review. Mercedes was there to see if anyone wanted their coochie scratched. She's a lesbian. Well, I don't think that's how lesbians work. I, I think I, they're much like everyone else, and they don't walk around just assuming that everybody wants their coochies or jobs <laughs> scratched. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I have she's a cookie friends. monster. I have gay friends who have never tried to hit on me because they know I'm not gay. It's, uh, yeah. it's shocking. It's one of those really weird things. And, and, yeah. and, and actually, Diamante isn't, but but she's in a committed relationship with Kiara Hogan. She is? Uh, yeah, you're the one who told me that, dummy. Did I? Oh, well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah. He man says she's the, well, chefacha brute. In other words, the face brute. Which one? The brutal face. Yeah. I assume he means Diamante. Uh, I mean, you could go with Mercedes Martinez. You can go with Chris Statlin. <laughs> the only one that didn't is, is Willow, who has a very pleasant face. Statlander, Statlander. Jeez. Can, can we, like, just ship her off somewhere else at this point? We I, Yeah, <laughs> honestly, She sucks, man. bro. Statlander is she, just... She's one of those weird situations, too, where, like, she's got a look that's very, like... It stands out, right? Like, she's got a good look. But, like, that is, like, almost legitimately the only thing she has in professional wrestling. 
Because yeah, we, we disagreed about this last week. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, yeah, we don't we don't have to. But uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, the one thing I'd say, yeah, you know, finish up that. I'll get my turn. Stats hurt herself, and Willow got the win with the pin. That's all I was going to say. Go ahead. Um, I thought the match was fine. It was okay. It seemed to get no heat until Mercedes came down. It was definitely better than Bunny versus Britt Baker. It was definitely better than Sheeta versus Anna Jay. And there was some other match that was a main event, which was abysmal within the last Sky Blue. Sky Blue. Okay. But not the tag match that we saw on Rampage. That was actually pretty good. That was better than this. Uh, the one good thing I'll say about Statlander is that when she ran out for the rescue, she didn't take time to bring her belt with her. Like she actually came out for the rescue. I hate when people are coming out impromptu for the rescue, but they decide to put the, the belt. belt on or put it over their shoulder and not use it as a weapon. So kudos to her for that, except it's more likely she just forgot it and it actually turned out to be Axel. Statland, I don't know. I don't I don't much care for Statland. Everybody knows that. But I you know Diamante tried, it's just the difference in their size. Like whatever she did with her legs worked. Whatever she did with her arms looked really, really soft and and, and fake, but that's just the that's kicks just look the, good, yeah. Yeah, that's just the uh, incident of, of the size differential. But yeah, this was this was this was a good women's match, and it didn't directly involve. It wasn't a title match, but it sort of involved the uh, a title was involved to an extent, but not in the it was title adjacent. Title Jason, but you had a women's match that was that was title Jason, but not directly answered. And we rarely get women's match stories, which is just a women's feud, other than when they stop and start Anna Jay, either as the psycho killer or now she's nice. Aside from that, we we, we don't get any non-title related women's stories. Agreed. Agreed. What worries uh, me though, guys, is are we gonna get tag belts with the women? No, don't even don't even don't even talk about it, Jimmy. As I mean, a matter of fact, you're not allowed to bring up that idea ever again <laughs> on this show. Don't do that because I don't even <laughs> want the specter brought up of the idea of an AEW Neither do I, dude. division because they can't book the singles division properly. Okay? <laughs> don't, don't do that to me, please. <laughs> well, why are we getting pairs now? Why? Same reason you get it with the men's matches. Because they've got too many yeah, people but... under contract and they need to give them TV time. There's, it, it, it's no different than, than the, the Dark Order having eight people in it or whatever. <laughs> Listen, you get, you get, one, women, you get uh... one women's match per show. Um, so which show is going to, is Britt Baker not going to be involved in or the outcast not going to be involved in or will they also be involved in the tag team thing? So it's not like you're going to get anything new. I, I don't know. This is officially something that we have no control over. I would say it's inevitable. I don't. Yeah. I, God, please don't. Anyway, I had a power outage at this point uh, in my house. So really? tell me if I missed anything. The next thing that I saw was Tony Storm giving an interview. Uh, no, that, that's, that's I, well, I don't know in order, but that was true. And Tony Storm, okay, this was going a little bit back into her breakdown thing that now she's like a 50s or 30s starlet, like with the way her hair was done. But she's yeah. doing the Chelsea Green thing where she doesn't recognize the interviewer. Like Chelsea Green didn't recognize Adam Pierce, and and now Tony Storm doesn't recognize Lexi Nair just because her hair is different. Around it's the same person who interviewed her last week. So, I mean, it's fine, it's cute, but 
like Chelsea Green just did it two months ago, but she threw the shoe again. So I, and at least Lexi Nair did raise again the specter of, are, are you concerned that Soraya won't have your back? So this was fine. This was good. This was, this, this was all right. I just wish they would be a little bit more consistent with this Tony Storm changing characters and, and breaking down. And, but maybe they have been and I haven't realized. Maybe it's been too subtle for me to recognize. Yep, I I agree. I thought this was I, I thought this was good, and I thought I wish they would just be consistent with this. And I want to see her act this way in the ring. I want you know, like we talked about it this we talked about it this week on Uncaged, right? Um, on Rampage this week, she came out and had a match, and she just looked like Tony Storm. Like she didn't. Her hair was barely different, which, you know, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. Make the hair crazy. Have her come out looking a little, a little, you know, crazed and, and you know, like she doesn't really understand what's going on because she's so focused on the fact that she lost her belt or whatever. But, like, lean into it or don't lean into it. But, I, I you know, I'm always going to be okay with Tony Storm throwing shoes at people. That's I just mean, funny as fuck. One week dresses Abaddon. The next week dress, dresses like, you know, Maki Ito and the schoolgirl thing. And the next week, like, come, come back as, like, you know, Aja Khan. I, I don't know. Like, like be, be more obviously different other than your hairdo. Your hairdo is not enough. This one was extreme enough. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, I'm going to wait and see. It's, it, it, they're doing something they're like you said it's not consistent enough yeah agreed agreed and we still don't know what direction she's really going in we're just assuming she's whatever like she's going to be like a hot mess but well when tony shivani says it on commentary i think we know what direction the management thinks she's supposed to be going into her freedom in artistic creativity i think is the confusing part and i think also maybe some of her insecurities in that she doesn't want to come off looking ugly she does want to look like like i think in the beginning it was supposed to be a hot mess but then she's like i don't want to look like a hot mess i'm beautiful i like being a sex symbol so i think now she's going to different like Hollywood starlets from yesteryear. She did the Marilyn Monroe. Now she's doing like Jane Mansfield. She'll do Mae West. But like, I'm not sure that people like that's older than people what than what people my age remember. Let alone, you know, the it's, fans it's, of today. Especially for professional wrestling too. Does she need to go that extreme? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little deep. It's a little deep in the pool of uh, of you know, Western culture. Uh, you know, most people can barely remember Halle Berry as like the first sex <laughs> right. that they that they remember. So yeah. Uh God bless Harry Halle Berry. Absolutely. absolutely. She still looks she, great even now. Shout outs to Halle Berry. She's been age appropriate <laughs> my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> How old is All she right. now? She'd be pushing sixty, right? I think By she's fifty seven. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Holy I shit. saw an interview recently with her daughter who was asked Just if she gets 31. annoyed. <laughs> I, it, there was an interview with her daughter that I thought was really funny because she was asked if she gets annoyed if you know when people compare her to her mom. And she was like, uh, not at all. People are comparing me to one of the prettiest women in the history of Hollywood. I find that to be extremely touching. <laughs> uh, it was history like, of the uh, world, not just Hollywood. <laughs> anyway good for her good for the kid uh taking a compliment when she can get it um yes chris winland 
we would like more of a hard brand split for AEW because if I could just if I could get away with just covering Collision and never talking about the other shit they do, I'd be I'd be super fucking happy. Of course, Aaron would be angry because he wouldn't get to hear me pissed off nearly as much. So, or Jimmy, you know that's fun too. So Jimmy's yeah. trying to get annoyed. He's trying to build up that rage for the audience. Nah, it's too fucking early in the morning for me to be like that. But uh, yeah, he loves it when we're both angry, Chris. As a matter of fact, so <laughs> no one cares when I'm angry. I think I'm angry too much. I think I, I think I'm. Well, you're just angry all the time. So, well, it's because you're evil, Jeff. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like the Hulk in, in in Avengers. That's my secret cap. I'm always angry. Look, nothing angry. can get you pulling your hair out like a fucking dynamite can. Honestly, true enough. Um, yeah, basically everything else is like if it's bad, I'm just going to turn it off. If Dynamite uh, is really yeah. bad, I feel like I have to watch it. And well, Rampage is always bad. The Judgment Day so. invades Dynamite and says the Judgment Day runs this place too. Yeah. You, you'll all get a bald spot like this one up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would drive me nuts. I mean, they right. rule Monday nights as it is. Imagine them ruling every night. Well, a bald spot is a is a spot on your head where the skin is exposed and speaking of skin problems powerhouse hobbs is in action next uh thank you that's uh that's 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 what we call a transition in the biz um he's in action against kevin who so who gets some love from the crowd kevin who who no i'm who? asking yeah no i'm asking who swerve's who? house Okay. Anyway, uh, who sells the <laughs> offense pretty good from Hobbs? Um, no, I'm, I'm asking Jimmy who who, oh. who who sold the offense well from Hobbs today. <laughs> that make me laugh. But it's who. It's not who. It's Kate. It's Kate. I know. Kevin. We know that. Cool. Okay. So, so for those who don't know, Kevin Koo actually was sort of a mainstay of MLW. He was part of Filthy Tom Lawler's Team Filthy. Yeah, well, he's too filthy for AEW. <laughs> I mean, okay, let's just let's just give it to him. who, who, cool, who's, who's on ring? first? <laughs> who's on first? Yes, he is. No, I'm who's asking who is on first. No, yeah, you're right. That's that's who's on first. No, I want to know who's on first. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know who's on second. I don't know who's the referee. Uh, Kevin stuff. Cool, look, he's so dumb. I mean, this guy needs to like change his name. I mean, seriously, Kevin. Who? Who was it? Was it cool? Cool. What was that jobber's name on Rampage again? Whoever who? <laughs> no, no, no. No, it wasn't John Perez or something. Like that. It was like it was like. John Cruz or something. Oh, John that's Cruz. it. John Cruz. <laughs> and Kevin John Cruz Kuhl. and Kevin who need to form a tag team immediately. All right. So Hobbs gets the win after the spine buster, and he immediately locks in the accolade to try to draw Miro. Uh, but Miro is not stupid enough to run down to the ring and try to save who, because why would anyone try to save who? Because who is a question about who? Um, so, Hobbs's version of the accolade is better than Miro's version of the accolade. <laughs> well, it looked hard. It looked like it was more painful. It's uh, probably 
Probably because Miro's done it enough to actual stars that he knows exactly <laughs> what he can do to hurt people and what not to do to hurt people. Powerhouse Hobbs is just in there trying to like stretch Kevin Koo into Kevin <laughs> Koo and Koo Kevin uh, to two different people or whatever. So into a, anyway, into a, into a crew cat. Yeah. So Miro says that he also used to rely on a book uh, for for his decisions and to re- and to surround himself by distractions. But Miro is godless, and Hobbs is not because. Hobbs now prays to Miro, and then that's the end. I was. We a need little... the librarian. Where's Peter Avalon? We need the Don't librarian. Stop. stop. <laughs> you can have the women's tag team titles. No Peter Avalon. <laughs> we need the librarian as a special guest referee for a book versus book match. Right, and if and if Hobbs wins, then Miro has to become a Christian again. <laughs> Rebaptized. <laughs> Baptism on a pole. <laughs> oh fuck me all right um i don't know i'm gonna go to jeff first so jimmy doesn't oh, die um jeff what did you think of this segment i i, I like the whole thing i, I really did except i like Hobbs's reaction at the end, it was clear he wasn't sure what to do. Like, he wasn't sure if he was supposed to run back, if he was supposed to be smiling. I don't know if he was actually cracked up and they caught him laughing when he was supposed to be. Or, or you know, but he, he was just standing in the ring awkwardly for a little bit too long. But I, I, don't, like Miro, I know that Miro is flirting with, like, going into the ultimate warrior level of types of promos. But he's still, <laughs> out, he's still on the safe side. I, I don't know how much longer he can carry this forward. I mean, it seems like it's going to have a lifespan on it. And, and it does work with the Book of Hobbes thing. I'm, I'm not sure where <laughs> so, else it will work. But so uh, I don't know. I mean, I just I just uh, hope that, like, Gilgamesh and Enki do, these two become best friends. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good reference. Well, what would you call them as a tag team? But the books, better friends, <laughs> better friends. Uh, fuck, or just book us. That's what they should be called. Uh, the the Septuagint. <laughs> oh man, you know what? I love this only because it's so ridiculous. Oh, the Jesuits. Yeah, why not? The sequels. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I love this so much because it was just so bad that it was good. I would call them the Gardeners of Doom. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gardeners of man. Doom would work, actually. Um, it all would, right, next actually up, would. All right, next up, we get a recap of all the Better Than You Baby stuff. And we are reminded that for this huge, enormous event coming up where 80,000 people will be packed into the arena in London, there is zero heat for the main event which is for your world championship so the seeds of zero destruction heat, <laughs> great comment just quietly mm-hmm. oh yep. man i mean Thank shit. You, retro um all right well it's time for the main event which means that jim ross comes down to the ring ladies and gentlemen jim ross still alive still kicking Sort of. I mean, he's not kicking right now because his leg is all messed up, but yeah, he's alive. He looks like he's ready to go, man, in day now. His contract ends in September. Oh, Maybe him and Edge God. will form their own uh, fed. Yeah, Jim Ross and Edge just going to go off and start their own uh, 
their own <laughs> Sexton Hardcastle Championship Wrestling. That would be great. Um, oh, God. I mean, shit. I mean, I love JR, but damn it, man. He needs to, like... I don't know, man. He's looking pretty bad lately. I'm sorry. He's got to retire just for just just for himself physically, because he's still got it health. in terms of announcing. I love his announcing. I still think he's the best announcer that they've got on this show. Um, Darby makes his way to the ring first. Jim Ross says that he's where he wants to be. He's a worldwide wrestling superstar. I'm not sure if that's exactly right yet, but hey, he's a he's a big part of AEW, and yeah, I mean, I think if you would have if you would have told Darby Allen ten years ago that in ten years he would be in this position. He'd be pretty fucking stoked to hear it. So, good for him. Yeah, good for him, for sure. I mean, Darby is improved big time, man. I mean, we've got to give him credit for that. I mean, yeah, sure, he's still an indie darling in many ways. But I, I like how... Um, I don't know if it's because he's starting to look a little bit older, which he still looks young, don't get me wrong. But there's something different about him that just suits his character a lot more. Just the look of him, I just... Is, is it just me? Is he beefed up a little bit? Even though it's not much, and I mean very minimal. Sure a little has. bit. Yeah. He's yeah. not older. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obvious that he exercises. I mean... Oh, uh, for sure. Michael Chris Darby was in the beginning when they did the initial vignettes to basically tell you the rundown of the show who's going to be on it. I couldn't hear a lot of what he was saying. He's He's got to... He's got to enunciate more he's got to speak a little bit more loudly i know that's not his character but i, I it, it's not a good opening promo if i can't hear half of it nick wayne air fox and then sting <laughs> yeah he talks like this yeah he's gonna put a bit more bass <laughs> on this match though i know that they have to promote the pay-per-view coming up but they told you that uh, Darby Allen was going to face Luchasaurus for the TNT title uh, at, I think, All Out, I think it's set, set for, not All In, which, I mean, it, if Christian won the match, beat Darby Allen, which we knew would happen, but if he did, wouldn't Darby Allen be knocked out of that title contention? So I didn't like that they promoted that match before this match occurred they should have promoted it afterwards because i would i would think that even though that's not the story that embedded in there ingrained somewhere is that if christian won darby is no longer in title contention for christian's title that luchasaurus just you know happens to be holding for him sure I, I agree. I agree. I like that when Christian was coming out wearing the TNT championship, Nigel was talking him up as one of the best minds in the wrestling business. And I got to say, true, just absolutely true. Christian, every single time he comes out there, he knocks it out of the park. And I thought that this match was no different. The, the early part of this match was basically Darby... Darby was locking in like shoulder and arm locks and Christian was not able to get out of it. And I got to say, I'm not terribly interested in what they do with this. But when I was watching the match, there was a just this, the way that something about, I don't know if it was the facials or just the tiny little things that Christian and Darby were doing. I was really engaged even early on in like, can Christian get out of this arm lock? I, I, I don't know why, but just watching it got me engaged right away so shout outs to christian and darby who i think is is becoming a much better pro wrestler too as as he goes along 
Although I'll get into some things that I didn't like about the match as we get into it, but yeah, well, he has improved though tenfold, man. He's starting to understand psychology now in the ring, which is a big plus for someone like Darby who didn't get it at all when he first appeared in AEW. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron Ben Shlomo's uh, last last comment there. I gotta say. He's right. I mean, when the man's right, the man's right. He said, can we all agree that there is something in Canada's water and air that creates amazing wrestlers? Yes. And also amazing wrestling podcasters. So don't forget, it extends. You know, it just it, it permeates the air here in Canada. Just pure greatness. Uh, <laughs> all right. So the match. Uh, Darby sort of wins the early exchanges here. Christian basically gets an upper hand um, by taking Darby down and keeping him down, keeping him grounded. Jim Ross talks about how, you know, if Darby's on the ground, he's not as effective. He's not nearly as effective if he can't get it, you know, if he can't get his legs moving and he can't get ahead of steam, etc. Talks about how smart of a wrestling tactic that is for Christian. I like that that the announcers were talking about how smart Christian is because it's clear he's not fast. It's clear that he's not super strong and the reason why you highlight that in a heel is because people want to be fast and they want to be strong but if they hear that a guy is being able to win a match or being able to be effective in something by just being more clever than the other person i feel like that actually creates people who are less impressed there are and there are two examples of that from the world of boxing who always maintain kind of a heelish aspect to them and I think that part of it was because you knew that they weren't physically more gifted than the guys that they were in the ring with. So the first one is Bernard Hopkins. I don't know that Bernard Hopkins was faster than anyone he was ever in a boxing ring with or stronger than most of the people he was in a boxing ring with. But he was able to win because he was so smart. He would set traps and he was basically able to dominate you know, his matches cerebrally, right? And the other was person, the man, Chris. He was the man, but he was he was sort of cast as the villain in all of his big matches, right? Like, people wanted to see him get his ass kicked more than they wanted to see him win, right? Same thing with uh, Floyd Mayweather, who is very fast, right? But he's been in there against people who have way, way more hand speed. Like, I remember when he oh, went up against it. Zab Judah. Judah's you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to mention Zab Judah as well. but yeah, Zab continue. Judah's ten times as fast with his hands but he was not able to outthink Floyd Mayweather and it made people hate Floyd. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I like that the announcers were talking up Christian's intelligence because that's a good way to get people to recognize that a wrestler is good without making people want to be that wrestler. So, For sure. I agree, man. All right. So uh, Darby continues to look for quick victories, trying to get the, trying to get the win. Uh, trying to do roll-ups and stuff like that. Uh, Christian continues to, um, you know, focus on hurting Darby. It seems pretty clear, like, he doesn't care that much about getting the win. He actually wants Darby to be injured so he can't get the title. So, good little bit of storytelling there. Um, although Christian is still, you know, he's still playing it off as, I still want the win because I'm kind of an egotistical maniac mm. and I want my win, right? But it seems like the most important thing to him is that. Christian sets up for a spear, which allows Darby to do a counter uh, into a pretty quick uh, strike flurry, and then the code red. Um, 
There's a double down in the corner before the break, and I want to take a moment to just breathe it in because there's a double down where both guys, they're fighting for position in the corner. Christian turns around, and they headbutt each other and drop down. <laughs> Professional wrestlers, this is what a drop, this is what a double down actually is meant to be, okay? Both guys hit something at the same time, and they both drop. Okay, if I hit you with a super kick and you no sell it and hit me with a European uppercut and we both fall down after that, we both look like fucking idiots. Okay, if you're going to do a double down, the connections have to be together. Okay, it has to be at the same time. Otherwise, your double down looks like fucking nonsense. So good for Christian and Darby on that. Um. Back from break. Darby. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, continue. no, no, I was going to say, because I'm looking at the chat, and, you know, there's a few people in the chat saying that Darby won't last that long because of his style. I do think he'll settle down, and we're seeing sort of little snippets of him sort of slowing down in the way he works. I think he'll be all right in, in a while. I think he will settle down to the point where he'll work smarter and work better in the future. I sure hope so. I mean, because I don't, I don't think he can do this for ten years. Like, I, no, 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 not the way he's going right now. But I do think he's slightly slowing down, just a little bit right now. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. It didn't. It, it, his offense here tonight was still pretty fucking impressive looking. So back oh, from break, sure. uh, Darby's getting back in the match with some incredibly heavy attacks in the corner. That's what I'm talking about. Wow, he's throwing his whole weight into these corner attacks. Um. Distraction on the outside by Luchasaurus. Uh, Christian able to cut Darby off with a clothesline. Um, the ref is yelling at Christian to get in the ring. Really makes the match better. Uh, I've, I've said this before, but the referee is part of the cast here, right? So if the referee is distracting, like our, like Aubrey Edwards, or completely useless, like most of the other referees in AEW, it takes away from the show because the referee is a part of the act, right? The referee needs to actually be doing something you know to add to 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 the match so when the referee here in the match is yelling at christian christian get in the ring win it in the ring man it it really elevated the moment it was like yeah good this is actually how a referee is supposed to be acting like they're part of the cast here um darby goes for the coffin drop on the apron but lucha moves christian at the last second so paul turner ejects the dinosaur and uh, Christian lands a belt shot for what was a pretty believable near fall. They, they, they got me here. I actually thought that that was the finish. Um, Darby gets his foot on the rope and the crowd chants, this is awesome. Actually a deserved chant from the AEW crowd. Um, Christian goes for the spear, but Darby counters. Christian lands an apron powerbomb into a spear, but it's a two count. And that's kind of the moment where, the, where I went, okay, guys, like... You know, I don't mind if he kicks out of a spear, but you did an apron power bomb into a spear and still the two count. I need to see that Darby Allen can be beaten. Otherwise, I'm just not going to feel like I need to worry about him. And you're supposed to feel sympathy for a face. You're supposed to feel like, oh, no, the good guy is about to lose. But if he just can't lose, I'm not going to feel that anymore. So they need to do something. They need to do something to make that a little bit better. Um, 
Anyway, Darbin, Darby wins in the end here, but it, it was a really good match. I don't want to take away from um, from the match. It was good, even though I didn't particularly love the finish. Um, and then uh, Tony gets in the ring. He goes to interview Darby, but he gets jumped by Luchasaurus and Christian. And then Christian forces Tony to count to three and announce him as the winner of the match. I didn't like the end. I didn't like that he kicked out of the spear after the apron powerbomb, all this stuff. I don't like the superhuman stuff that comes out of Darby sometimes because he's not booked that way. If they actually booked him as he's superhuman a la The Undertaker, I could at least allow my brain to separate a little bit and allow for the possibility. But when I see somebody that small kick out of everything all the time, it makes it hard for me to feel any sympathy for them. And therefore it makes it hard for the faces to do their job properly. Um, Jeff, we'll go with you first. What did you think of the match? And um, did you hear anything in the last five minutes where I was just talking nonsense? <laughs> I don't want the audience to take my brevity here for, for lack of anything else, but I agree with almost every single thing you said until the end. Um, one, I was a little bit taken out of the match because they, because of what I said earlier before we started this, the expose on the match, which was the promotion, the continued promotion of Darby versus Luchasaurus. When you know there's still a match that could change that 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 match flow, that it would have been more interesting. Said you know if if Christian Cage win this match, isn't isn't he in line? Isn't he in line for a TNT title match? And then the heel Nigel will go, what are you talking about? He's already the TNT champion. They could argue about that. I mean, I think that would have been more fun. That said, I thought the match itself was fine. The ref kicked Luchasaurus out. Good. All that was good. Uh, the only part I disagree with you on, Chris, is that they have almost like 95% of the time booked Darby to be basically indestructible, which which I hated and I still hate, but I, I can't say they haven't done it. I mean, like it, it, it took like him being killed three or four weeks in a row by Giants before before it took Miro 30 minutes to beat him for the TNT title. So Sorry, uh, let, let me clarify. What I mean is I know they've booked him to be indestructible and I hate that and it annoys the crap out of me. What I mean is um, The Undertaker is not considered to be like a normal human in wrestling right, right? like it, there's something like spooky about him right he has superpowers essentially and if you were if you were to book darby allen and tell me that as a character he has some kind of superpower then maybe i could believe him being as indestructible as he is like if if they were trying to convince me that he you know he was injected with the blood of the of the you know Hercules or whatever. Maybe you act a spider. Sure. Then I could believe it. But as is, it just comes across as they're playing at this because a guy that small being able to kick out of absolutely everything is unbelievable to the point where I can't suspend my disbelief. Now, I'm, I'm with you on this. I just accept it at this point because this is right. what it is. I mean, they have explained it. Basically, his life was so hard and so rough that he's half he's already dead inside. And, and thus, basically, he's like the people from the Iron Islands, right? The, uh, what That that has already been killed cannot die or whatever, whatever they used to say on, on Game of Thrones. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean that 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 that's the thing is that he's already half dead. Not not to steal too much from a track Brown, but he can't be beat in these mean streets. I mean that that's sort of, that's that's sort of the Darby Allen thing. And 
is it ridiculous? Yes, but has it been this thing the entire time? So I, I, I don't know why I buy it more with him than I do with Orange Cassidy, but they're both the same. No, nothing can stop them, and, and, and even if something can hurt them, it won't stop them. Only something very, very e extreme. I, I guess because Darby actually wrestles like he knows he's a little guy and throws himself Exactly. Around. That's well, why, Jeff. And, and Orange exactly Cassidy why. doesn't. Like he, he wrestles like he's a 225-pound man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, I mean... The, the match itself was good. I, I, I just I just don't feel like Darby Allen versus Christian Cage was more of a was more of a main event. Uh, I, I don't know. I, never mind. I, I withdraw that. I, uh, aside from that little difference, I, I agree with everything you say. I think this was, it was the match was good and it was fine. I, I just didn't quite feel like it was a main event of a TV show match. Okay, I get that. And I felt the I same mean, way about Edge and Sheamus. I'm like I'm like yeah. yeah. Uh, we yeah. should have cared more about the Edge and Sheamus match. For some reason, we didn't, but it is what it is. But um, but as far as this match goes, I mean, what you both said is spot on. I can't really add anything more to that other than what you guys just both said because um, it's true. You know what I mean? I mean, again, why aren't we building properly to all in and all out? I I can't I really could not tell you why why the build for both of these shows has been so completely weak, but it absolutely has. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. As far as the show goes, um, let's go ahead and we'll give our letter grades and everything, and then we'll get the hell out of here inside of two hours, like fucking bosses. Um, I'm gonna give this a B. It was a good show. It was still the best wrestling show on television. This doesn't hit the heights of some of Collision, you know, so far. But it, I also don't think that you could say that this was the worst uh, episode in 10 weeks. And um, good wrestling matches, some pretty good, uh, some pretty good uh, interviews. Um, and I like the way that we started with CM Punk being under the gold and everything. I thought that that was clever and interesting, and I didn't see it coming until the very end. So, yeah, it's going to get a B from me. Uh, Jimmy, let's go to you first. Did you say B? A B. Wow. I'm going to say a D because, wow. again, d did we move forward like we should have other than the Punk stuff? I mean, yeah, I don't know, B. I'm surprised with the Bs. All right, I personally think this was the worst episode so far, for me anyway. Okay. Well, Jeff, you get to be the tiebreaker. Um, I, I I think that last week was was the worst, or maybe two weeks ago. I don't remember. There was one week where I gave it a C or C minus. Um, I'm gonna go with B minus. Uh, only because like like I thought it was a solid B show in in a vacuum. But because there's supposed to be this build to all in and all out, it didn't quite do that. And and part of that is is just the impossible strictures that the AEW puts on things, where you're you're trying to promote three TV shows and two to three pay per views all at the same time, as well as you know giving nods to New Japan and AAA and everyone else under the sun at the same time. But it didn't it. There is such a disconnect between Collision and the rest of AEW that it takes away from the builds. So it, on one hand, it gives. And on the other hand, it takes away. So I'm going to go with B- minus just because it didn't build that much towards all-in for me. But still, I, I would say it was the best wrestling show of the week. All right. 
Good deal. Well, uh, fellas, let's uh, let's let's go ahead and do plugs. Jimmy, where can the people find you? Well, you can find me at DJ Mass Effects on Twitter, and also you can find us at the PWC Network. But like and subscribe right here at channelattitude.com, where for five bucks you get the best talk in all of pro wrestling. I mean, mediagroup.podbean.com and the pwcnetwork.podbean.com, and that's a wrap. All right, Jeff, where can the people find you? On Twitter, IcarusFellMD, and I know Jimmy gave out my secret idea on Machismo when I had to leave early, <laughs> um, but I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, you can find me same places you can find these guys on the PWC and the Hummy Media Group. You can also find my uh, wrestling podcast that doesn't involve these two, Hammerlock Hangover, which just dropped today with Steve Pena. You can find that on the PWC as well as other places. And you can find Garden of Doom and Garden Views on both Hami Media Group and the PWC, among other places. And Garden of Doom and Garden Views have almost nothing to do with wrestling whatsoever. So check those things out. Hope you like them. And that's all I got to say. $5, $5 to the Hami Media Group, to the Ayatollah of WrestleRolla. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Sams one You can go there to uh, read everything that I have to say about politics, pro wrestling, whatever the hell else comes to my mind. Um, you can find me right here on HMG and ChannelAttitude.com, where we do this show, where every Sunday at 10 o'clock Central Standard Time, after the collision, we sift through the wreckage. Yeah, good. You guys actually did it like in time that time. That was that was good. We're, we're getting better at that, guys. Um, but also, you can find me. Uh, you can find me Monday, where I'll be uh, where I'll be uh, reviewing Impact for the Impact Attack with Brandon. Um, vet is taking a week off, so I'm I'm I, I get to be the vet. No, I'm not, I'm not even going to claim that. Um, <laughs> I get to I get to be on the show and I get to talk Impact Wrestling with Brandon. We will try to be as brilliant as we possibly can to make up for the fact that that's not there. Um, you can also find me um, on the Smack Attack with John Enright and these two dudes um, and on Rampage Uncaged. Uh, yeah, so those are the shows you can find me on those shows. You can also find me on the PWC. That is the Pro Wrestling Coalition uh, that I run with uh, my friends here, Jimmy and Jeff. Um the vet is running from the law, it says Retro Rocket Review. Well, I mean, maybe he flashed his gun at somebody angrily on the on the highway. You never know. Um, speaking of which, mm -hmm. we didn't get a chance to talk about that because I didn't hear from FTR, even though Kevin Kelly told oh, me that shit. this week we were going to hear from FTR. And then I we forgot didn't about hear that. from FTR. Actually, before anyway, we go, Chris, what do you think is going on there? I have no idea why you would announce it on TV and then not follow through. I get why it was on the poster. Okay, If you didn't know until yesterday that this happened, then okay, you can say, well, the poster was made already. We had, you know, we, we had nothing to do with that. had nothing to do with it. But why would you have your announcer say, you're going to hear from FTR who have been in the news a bit this week and then not have them show up? What are you doing? It's weird. Well, we, we they, they said we we're going to hear from Miro in the announcement, and we then we learned he was in the building and he was on the video screen. I mean, this is this is consistent with listen. I, I I think that Tony probably made the right call to do some amount of damage control and PR while it's still hot, and hope that this sort of fades away over the last week. And about that, I don't think he's wrong. I think it was sort of cowardly, but 
vignettes do count as hearing from somebody in wrestling and uh you know i like to nitpick as much as the the, the next guy but we did in fact see a vignette where we did hear their voices and it wasn't all stuff that we've seen on pre-recording just 90 percent of it all right whatever um good we're both we're all a little confused about it, what happened exactly and what is going to happen moving forward so i guess hey that's creating some buzz at least if he can make it to england it'll be buzz worth uh worth paying off so we're hoping that he can and uh if we don't hear anything before the pay-per-view then i guess we just gotta cross our fingers and hope we hear from him but um for Jeff Lippman, for Jimmy T, I've been Chris Ams. You've been a wonderful audience. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Thank you to everybody who, who listens and who maintains our wonderful standing here at HMG and ChannelAttitude.com. We love you. We really honestly appreciate everything that you guys do to help make the shows better. And uh, thank you very much for everything that you do. Uh, good night. Bye-bye. Olay. Jeff? Stay with my friends. All right. Peace.
PWC Network, what the world is watching and listening to.